this is Rachel. Hey, this is Spencer. And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast. And today we have with us Michaela Ann, who just played in Raleigh last night, which will be a long time ago by the time this episode gets posted, <laughs> is on the way to play in Wilmington tonight. So thanks for stopping in with us while you were in town. Thanks for having me. And uh, Michaela is in Nashville now and just put out a great record called Desert Dove on North Carolina's own Yep Rock. Woo! Got some country influence on there. And actually, uh, your publicist, Sarah, was mm-hmm. who kind of approached us, I guess, about you being on here when you were in town and sent us a link to, I think, the title playlist you did. Mm-hmm. And I was like scrolling through. I was like, oh, hell yeah, this is like perfect, like perfect <laughs> fit. So glad this has finally worked out. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so the new album has some like older country sounds pretty heavily and like some 90s country stuff and yeah. some not very traditional. Yeah, not very country <laughs> at all. But mix. before we get into that, I do want to ask you about your beginning career as a rap artist and how <laughs> you we're supposed to first ask her about 90s country well, we can, this, this can it's going to transition into that this was this about. was before how she went from beats to boots that's what how the behind oh, the music will go you've been waiting to no i haven't actually that was what i thought of he's like no i just thought of it this exact second <laughs> no you've been prepping this. no i wish i was that smart to prep for an episode ever we've established by now i don't prep for episodes <laughs> <laughs> All right, your beats to boots and the Ann story. Yeah, so I, if I'm thinking back on the timeline of my childhood, I'm pretty sure this. So Spencer's referencing my first song was a rap. Uh huh. <laughs> um, and this was before I really got into country music. So, do you remember Raven Simone? Yes. Okay. Yep. So That's I remember. <laughs> yes, That's, That's a, Raven. a Raven. But before That's a Raven, Raven was like a tiny little child rapper like and she had this cd (laughs) in like the early 90s and she was like a little girl Mm -hmm. with like crisscross clothes and and (laughs) i loved that record wait was this record post cosby or during her time i think it was during it had to be okay during or post early looking right yeah yeah it's (laughs) It's like the cutest little thing. And I was like a second grader. So what? I was like eight or something. Uh A little white girl. And I lived in D.C. at the time. Yeah. This cover. (laughs) Oh, yes. I remember that. What's it called? It's called Here's to New Dreams. Here's to New Dreams. You're like seven years old. What are you? That picture on Instagram. Yeah. So that was like my, that was my favorite record. And the Dangerous Minds soundtrack. Yeah. Coolio. Yeah. And there's a, on podcasts, is there, um, any like language prohibited? Not on this one. Okay. So the Dangerous Minds soundtrack also has this crazy song that's like, oh no, wait a minute, don't go there because I am with it. Yes. It's like, I'm not your hoe. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in second grade and for some reason that was, that and Raven Simone were like my two favorite <laughs> CDs. And so then I wrote a rap, an anti smoking rap. I don't know why, but I grew up feeling very, both like my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, everybody smoked except for my mom. My dad was a submarine captain, military family. My mom was like a very strict, she still is, like lays down the law. And she was always very like, smoking is terrible for you. I never did it. Everyone in my family does it. Like she, and Uh she, from a really young age, I was like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. So I wrote a rap. 
That was my first song with lyrics. Sucking. I like so, it. So did Dare like pick this up? No, like, they should have. They really yeah. should have. It's probably still relevant now. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was good. I think it was good. <laughs> so what transitioned you from? But before we get to that, let me oh, just say. God. Okay. Let me just say, Wikipedia says that the first single on this album was co-written with Missy Elliott, although she was credited oh, as as Melissa Elliott. What? Oh my yes. gosh! And that's what little girls are made of. Okay, I am listening to this today. I haven't listened. To I'm going to listen to this whole thing today. I'm... I think we have our outro music yeah, for the yeah. show. That's a little awesome. girl. It would just be which one is best? Hip hop teddy bear seems pretty good, but first day of school, <laughs> like so many good. I understand why this was such a banger for you in second yeah. grade. I mean, just I, by the I vividly, I just like it was yesterday. I remember being in my my bedroom in Fairfax, Virginia, and that CD, and I was surrounded by like my American Girl dolls and, mm-hmm. and Muffy Bears. Do you know what Muffy Bears are? I do not remember those. Just collectible fancy bears. <laughs> and listening to Raven Simone. So yeah, that's awesome. Okay, Spencer. Now I hope you like pointed out the bears as you were singing hip hop teddy bear. What's up, bears? (laughs) That's when I was then I was rapping to my bears. Hey, don't smoke. That was how it started. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you guys want me to do the rap? um, Yeah. Do you you remember remember? it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not going to sound good without it. Without a beat. Okay. I mean, we could. We have YouTube. We just pull Brandon. No, I mean, you guys could just do a beat. Oh, I'm not going to do a beat. (laughs) Nope. The beat that my brother did for me was usually just a. Rachel, that's all you. Hey, don't smoke. Smoking isn't like yeah. Listen to your heart, cause that's the way you do it. Listen to the people. What are they saying? Don't smoke. It'll hurt you. <laughs> oh, that dramatic pause. Holy shit. Yeah. You know what you were doing. Job. She got it. <laughs> oh, wow. This is a yeah, first so did, for this here podcast. Did you go around and like perform that to kids that were smoking? Because I really hope it was like after school special. You saw kids like behind the convenience store and you just like rolled up and started, <laughs> hey, I, give, me, give me a beat. And then you started rapping that to them. I wish I had. I definitely like continued on and wrote an article in the school newspaper about drugs not being cool when I was in middle school. That didn't make me very popular. <laughs> I don't know, Spencer, you saying that and it being the time of year that it is made me think of the Teen Witch movie and the Top That rap. Are you familiar with that? No. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Just go look it out. It's, it is basically like a cheesy thing, like somebody's walking down the street and they like stop them to rap at them. <laughs> okay. I bet that's what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, in my mind. <laughs> Well, if, you need, if you need that recording for like the re-release of Desert Dove in 10 years, like a... Please a, credit me, yes. A deluxe edition. <laughs> the demo version, yeah. the second demo. Okay, anyway, now can we talk about 90s country? Yes. yes. So, so how did you go from beats to boots? <laughs> yeah, so that was like my second, third grade year. And my dad always loved country music. My dad was a huge country music fan. Travis Tritt, um, Joe Diffie, the Judds. My mom did not really like country. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of in the camp of like, I side with my mom and I would kind of tease my dad and thought my mom and her family was cooler and they were like more into Motown and R&B. But then the Dixie Chicks happened Uh and that was my gateway. So Wide Open Spaces, I remember, was on the radio and I just, I started 
to love that song. And then I started to open up to all the rest of it. And it was nicer to my dad and listen to him about like why, why he liked country music. And he used to always tell me it was because every song told a story. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cheesy back then, but then that ironically like set me on my entire life purpose (laughs) but so yeah so he he listened i remember he had a greatest hits of the jeds cd in his car and we would listen to that all the time but right around the dixie chicks time that was then shania Mm -hmm. blew up tim mcgraw faith hill martine mcbride Shadaisy, I've remembered them recently. This is the second Shadaisy <laughs> reference. Spencer doesn't. I don't remember, remember them. them. I don't think I was a target market for Shadaisy. Yeah, and that like, was also like very late. Mm-hmm. That was like ninety nine to two thousand, okay. which Spencer shared is about the time that he was starting to get out of transitioning yeah, yeah, country. Yeah. Transition. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely had that Shadaisy album. Yeah, and I remember it. Yeah. But yeah. I had, I'm trying to think, Dina Carter. Mm-hmm. Did I shave my legs for this? Yeah. That was a huge one. And Spencer has shaved his legs for that. <laughs> that was the previous episode. Yeah, you know. Terry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't need to listen to that whole debacle. Okay, now I'm going to listen to this. <laughs> but yeah, that was, I just feel like that was the golden era of, I mean, people would argue against this, but I wasn't alive before that. But compared to now, for instance, like, mm-hmm. Country radio and CMT was so good back yeah. then. It's interesting to me just like the constant debate of music and specifically country music. And maybe it's just the worlds that I've, I don't know about like punk rock or metal or, you know, but mm-hmm. I just feel like people are always having the debate no matter what period of life yeah. of just like what's happened to country music. Because I know 90s country, you know, Shania Twain was like, Controversial because mm-hmm. she showed her stomach and she brought in pop influences. And now, when I listen to Shania Twain, I'm like, wow, she has such reverence for tradition of country that she incorporates into her pop music with the twin fiddles everywhere and like the her melodies. Where today I listen to pop country and I'm like, did they just rip like an LFO song? Like, <laughs> yes, they did. Sing they probably it with did. A country accent. <laughs> Like, they didn't even rip a Casey and JoJo song. They ripped LFO and put, like, a shitty beat on it. Yeah, I think it is definitely, like, the this was better in my time. Like, always is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, whoever's listening to, like, you know, like, Jason Aldean or whoever now is going to be, like, pissed in 20 years at whatever's on country radio. I'm yeah, sure. Is, yeah. Well, and I think that one of the issues maybe with this era of country music that we talk about is that it was the era when it became more pop. And so I think that old country fans do have a problem with 90s country and particularly late 90s because they see it as the reason that the crap today exists. Mm-hmm. But and I'm always going to bring this up for the next few episodes. Have you watched the country music thing on PBS? I've watched a few episodes. So it's like there was a period in like the late 70s and 80s where country music didn't sound like country music. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, did they have the same issue now where we look back and oh, those are great songs, but they were crap then. (laughs) Yeah, but even like, and I think it references this in the in the Ken Burns documentary, you know, like the Patsy Cline arrangements, those were considered pop. That yeah. was like an era of yeah. where country music went pop went when pop. they had those big string arrangements and that the Nashville sound is what they refer yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And again, living in Nashville, people are so passionate about it. And I Mm -hmm. think because country music also means so many different things to different people and can also be representative, not just a musical genre, but a geographical home, Mm -hmm. a way of life, all these different things. So people are so um, just very passionate about what they think it is and what it should be. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I come from a place where I didn't grow up in the South. I didn't grow up any one spot in particular. Mm -hmm. So I get probably a little more defensive of like, I have my opinions where I think stuff doesn't sound like what I associate as country music Mm -hmm. or that I don't think even sounds like good music, but but I'm also kind of of the mind of like, but if people like it, then okay, that's fine for them. I just wish there was more room and support for all the other stuff. Yeah. But I don't, I'm kind of like, if I adhere to these rules of like, well, you're only country if you lived here and if you did this and whatever, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, I don't know what music I would get to play because I'm not from anywhere in particular I don't have any like specific genre or cultural thing that is like connected to me and my family or location Mm -hmm. or so I think because of my specific upbringing I'm like well hey guys then you'd have to exclude me (laughs) (laughs) well we've uh, talked about people that don't fit that geographical definition of Southern. Shania. Shania, who we're going to be talking about today, is one of those. But also, like, was it Mary Chapin Carpenter that was from New Jersey? And, like... Massachusetts or something like that. Yeah. And so it's like, she is is from New Jersey, went to some fancy-schmancy college, like, is the complete opposite of what... She went to Brown, did she? Yeah. I feel like it's some Ivy League school. Some, an Ivy League school, like, opposite of what other people might think of when they think of country, but you mm-hmm. listen to her songs and to her voice, and you and it's the same with Shania. You can't argue that it's not yeah. country. Also, let's be like, in the 90s, you couldn't Google Mary Chapin Carpenter and be like, where is she from? Let me yeah. judge her background and whether she deserves True. to play country. You know, it's just kind of like... Here's someone on the radio yeah, that she sounds country. I thought she was from Virginia, though. Maybe she like was born. This was our very brief research, so okay. you probably know <laughs> better than us. Let's be honest. Um, but I do think I think there are a lot of examples of that. You know, location doesn't always define. Yeah, I mean, and this isn't pop country, but like Gillian Welch, for instance, mm-hmm. is like from New York City and then from Los Angeles, yeah, and yeah. she sings some, you know, and writes some like. Songs that make you feel like you're on a prairie, like <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty authentically, and it's yeah, the authenticity and all of these like factors that people want to put in and try and judge if what they're putting out there is real is is really, I don't know. I just think it's distracting mm-hmm. and not important. So like just listen to the music, and if you yeah. like it, you like it, and if you don't, then find something that you do yeah, like. yeah. Definitely. Well, we like 90s country. <laughs> Speaking of songs you like, I guess we can talk about the song you picked for this one. So you picked uh, No One Needs to Know yes. by Shania. Mm-hmm. And do you want to talk a little bit about why you picked that one? Okay. I'm trying to think where to start with this. But around the time that I became really obsessed with Shania and Dixie Chicks and the pop country of the time was also when I started taking voice lessons and was starting to um, think I wanted to perform, I guess. So I was like in fifth or sixth grade, Mm -hmm. sixth or seventh grade, actually. And so I became really obsessed with Shania Twain. And the way that I practiced singing, I bought 
karaoke CDs. So I had all these Shania Twain karaoke CDs. And I had a voice teacher who sang a lot of country music. It was when I lived in Washington State. So we had a huge Shania phase. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time wanting to pick a song because I was like 12 that felt like not too heavy. At that time, I felt uncomfortable trying to portray like an emotional ballad about Mm -hmm. like a, you know, divorce or something Mm -hmm. like that because I was 12. (laughs) And I think that is one of the just beautiful things about Shania Twain that she's this grown adult woman because she didn't start her career really Mm -hmm. until her 30s like she wasn't you know a 22 year old but she could still kind of portray these more younger innocent kind of cutesy kitschy kind of things even like well later into her later records um which I think is a talent that not everybody has so I remember I picked No One Needs to Know because it felt like a young girl could could perform it yeah because it's about having a crush on somebody yeah yeah and I actually was listening to it and I was like mm. like I think it makes sense for like a young girl to sing it like mm-hmm. somebody older than 30 to be singing this <laughs> yeah. feels a little weird <laughs> well she did it I know <laughs> but um so you know in some sense it's like oh a, a young girl like you yeah. in fifth or sixth grade singing a Shania song but then the content is actually Fairly innocent and cute. Yeah. yeah. And I thought I read somewhere that it was one of her earlier songs that she wrote. Like, she wrote 10 years younger or 10 years earlier or something like that. Yeah. I was reading in her autobiography, which I still haven't finished, <laughs> that she wrote this when she was working at a casino, uh, which was, you know, several years before. After her parents had died, mm. uh, she said she would, like, write these songs that were kind of like a make-believe world, she called it, yeah. to kind of, like transport herself out of this you know sadness and all that so mm-hmm. she was like yeah they're like these light hard songs that i could just like feel good about dreaming of this scenario and it was one of those that then ended up I, on that album yeah and, and it's credit as a co-write but i'm sure like they credit pretty much everything as a co-write that she did with mutt so yeah it's probably the and arrangements the, and stuff the like co-write that. credits are it's always a little tricky because someone mm-hmm. could have changed like one word right, and, right, and right. then right. they get it right that's yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a lot of what that is yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. it seems like for their like arrangement they just went ahead and like credit everything that way so yeah um but yeah it was one of her earlier ones that that, i know but what's do you have the lyrics up here because one of the uh, ones about like the dog benji yeah the the, that was the weird uh, little benji called leroy i've been trying to figure out why like what that's about like i love singing along to that but i just like don't know okay so do you know Benji the dog. Yeah, but well, I just don't. So see she's why just you're... referencing like. So it's it's that breed instead of saying because Benji the actual dog I'm looking at it right now was a mutt, close to like a border terrier. But I uh, mean, it if... doesn't it doesn't sound as good to say she a put... little border terrier name. Yeah. She could say a little mutt because that would be a little awkward. Thing. That would like... be awkward considering. <laughs> yeah, so she's just saying like. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Like, we have a dog named Leroy. Damn which it. I just realized I have a cat named Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I feel bad for not reading these lyrics, but come on, like you. Didn't even... <laughs> but yeah, I'm just I'm just meaning like they're like cutesy lyrics. Which is funny to me. Like, I'm trying to try and think about, like, if I, were, like, wrote a song. About getting hit by Cupid when you were in your 30s? Yeah. <laughs> I, but, I mean, it's, I can see, like, a, a teenage girl writing this song about a crush that she has. And it's funny talking about, like, not reading the lyrics. I 
of course, growing up, whenever I first heard this song, we didn't have the internet to be able to look out lyrics, which back then in the CD cover, like Mm -hmm. usually the lyrics were in there and I always appreciated that, but I never knew what the whole line was about bells to ring, a choir to sing, the white dress, the guests, the cake, the car, the whole darn thing. So like that dress, cake, car, like that all, uh, whenever I would sing it along, yeah. I was just like, Bleh, the whole darn thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the white dress, the guests, the cake, the car. Yeah. It's like. It's real quick. Yeah. But as a songwriter, like sometimes making the choices, I feel like that's one of the biggest talents mm-hmm. to, to be a successful songwriter is like not poo-pooing something that you think is stupid or yeah. silly and like. That, I really think, is Shania Twain's real talent as well. Yeah. And I think she has a million talents, but, you know, (laughs) is that she can connect to people Mm -hmm. and not be like, oh, maybe this is too silly. And, you know, she just has a wide range. And then she will sing songs that are more serious. Yeah, deeper and more emotional. And, yeah. And I didn't even think about this until now, like, looking at the lyrics and then the context and the bridge when she's singing, I'm not lonely anymore at night. I'm like, damn, that's... Like, probably directly referencing, like, her parents her being parents, gone. Yeah. Like, shit, okay, like, a little bit, you know, more serious of a turn there than yeah. just the lighthearted everything else. And but. they always get you in the bridge, man. That's where you do the deep <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And that's also such a, she has such a good melody for mm-hmm. for that, that matches. What do we want to listen to a little bit? Sure. I want bells to ring, the choir to sing, the white dress to dance, the cake to call the whole the music video while we were listening to the song and it references Twister because this song was featured in the 1996 film starring Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton Um, and we were trying to figure out where in the movie it plays it and the internet thank goodness told us that it was playing in the diner when they stopped to get coffee before they leave for the first Twister so that is why there is a tornado in her music video. in the music video. And I remember whenever I watched the music video, it struck me that they were sitting on the front porch with an American flag. And I was like, this is not Shania's house. <laughs> with the American she's flag. Canadian. She's, she's Canadian. She's Canadian. She's going to appeal to everyone, you know. But she's fully taken up. Well, it's funny because there was a Shania exhibit at the Country Music Hall of Fame not oh, too yeah? long ago. And one of the things is like... <laughs> I know I'm going to get it wrong, but it's just like, she's like something about how she spends most of her time living in her like chateau in Switzerland yeah. and like her other time in her like homestead in Jamaica or something like that. And I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> she's, she's so worldly. She is. She is. Um, like, that ain't country. <laughs> that, that's the most country shit I've ever heard. And then, Michaela, you were mentioning the key change thing and how that relates to what you do with some of your music. Yeah, I mean, the woman in me, I think I have to go back. I went and counted one time, but almost almost every song has a modulation. Yeah. And that's not, like, I feel like that's not as 
cool anymore. I feel like I don't hear that many key mm-hmm. changes. Um, but I love a good key change. So, yeah, I'm, on my new record, I have a song called If I Wanted Your Opinion that we referenced Shania a lot in the making of that, yeah. that song. And it Just lyrically, <laughs> it's very Shania, and it has a key change. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So part of my... I grew up on this 90s country and loved all this. And then I ended up at a jazz conservatory in New York City where predominantly the people I was around, everybody, like, talked trash on country music. Mm -hmm. So I was very... It took me a long time. Again, being someone... I moved around all the time because my dad was in the military. I always was just trying to figure out how to adapt and fit in. I was not someone who just was like, well, this is what I like and I'm going to do what I want. I was like, okay, I'm going to keep that quiet what I like (laughs) and just hide it from everybody and like do my best to fit in because that's how you survive. So it took me a long time to figure out like, I love jazz music, but this is not what rings true for me. And even through the past several years of me like making my own records, it's taken me Honestly, I feel like until this last record to kind of mm-hmm. more fully own what I love and unabashedly be like, you know what? I love these fun songs. Even if my highbrow music nerd friends think these are like cheesy or whatever, I'm like, makes me feel good. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I read on your uh, on your website a little bit about like details about the new album that mentions that Brian Whelan played guitar mm-hmm. and that he worked with Dwight Yoakam mm-hmm. and Jim Lauderdale. So it's like, well, that's a nice tie mm-hmm. to 90s country. And then Kristen Weber, who played fiddle, mm-hmm. um, has also worked with Casey Musgraves, who we we stand Casey quite a lot on this, this here Amazing. podcast. Yeah. So it was fun to kind of see those connections back to yeah. what we've been doing. Yeah, Kristen... She's basically my best friend, so um, <laughs> it was really great to have her. She flew in for a couple of days because I made the record out in California. Mm-hmm. She did the fiddle parts on everything. All the strings are her just layered. And if I wanted your opinion, had very specific fiddle parts. Yeah. Um, I wrote it with my friend Mary Bragg, and I had started it on my own, and I was like, I want to write a country song, but I want it to be a statement. And one thing I think about with, Shania and a lot of a lot of female country artists if you go back and listen to some of the songs of course on the on the spot I forget all of the names and references but if you go back and listen to a lot of the songs there's a wide range of topics mm-hmm. and very like feminist strong-willed yeah. statements on a lot of these songs which I don't feel like I hear well one we don't have to go into that long conversation of just how country music in general is like very exclusive to (laughs) non-females right (laughs) so I felt like I really wanted to bring that back in and Shania especially like her Honey I'm Home song Mm -hmm. where she's like Honey I'm Home and I had a hard day pour me a cold one no by the way like I can't remember what comes next. But Rub my feet, give yeah. me something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Fix me up my favorite treat. Yeah, there's all of these songs that are just like, I'm a working woman. Yeah. And this idea that like the woman is just the object of desire and to be pretty. And that is this narrative that somehow we're being fed in 2019 is, mm-hmm. is crazy to me. So I specifically wanted that not to mention just to reflect on my experiences as a touring musician and how just obnoxious it can be as a female, the conversations I endure mm-hmm. with 
99.9% of the time men either saying wildly inappropriate things or just talking down to you or offering advice like how many men you know who've never maybe they're hobby musicians but have had careers and as accountants and they're Mm -hmm. telling me you know (laughs) how to like tune my guitar better or whatever it is and I'm just like anyway so that's where if I wanted your opinion came from and specifically embracing the musically the aesthetic of Shania Mm -hmm. in the 90s and well, when you were listening off earlier, like the 90s country artists, and it was all women, and then I was thinking, like, you didn't even mention Reba. There's, like, several people you didn't mention. I'm interested, like, I kind of want to go back and look, because there's a ton of female country singers, I feel like, that were on the radio in the 90s. Then now, Grant, I don't listen to, like, modern country stations, really, but, like, when I look at who is charting, there's, like, no one, but then when you think about who's making music, mm-hmm. like... The High Women record kicks ass. Like, Casey, obviously. There's, like, so many... Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of my favorite country-leaning records the past, like, two, three years are about by, by women. Yeah. And then they don't get played. And so I don't know what... If it's just in my mind that that shift happened. And, like, in the 90s, they were also very underplayed. But, like, in my mind, looking back at the 90s, I was like, oh, just remember, like, all those artists being on mm-hmm. the radio. Like, Martina well, McBride, Mary Even if you look at the charts, like... And what was charting in the '90s? There were women that were charting, and they were definitely and holding played. positions for a long time. Yeah, so on I don't the know charts. Yeah. why or how that kind of was like, hey, let's stop playing them. Well, yeah, I mean, there is research that has shown there are specific radio consultants who went around and said, "Oh yeah, this is going to play better if you cut women." And there's, it, it it's an interesting topic because to me, it's maddening. Like it's complete insanity that Casey Musgraves is not on country on radio. radio. Like, mm-hmm. how is she not <laughs> on the top charts? It's insane to me. Yeah. So I'm like, I have these conversations all the time and a lot of people will make, you know, arguments of like why it is or whatever. And I just, it's not representative of, of life and it's not representative of what music is being made. You know, and I was the only reason I know about these women, I was a little girl in like small military towns. I heard them on the radio. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I knew about them. And I, you know, I still teach music and I like private lessons and I have little girl students in Nashville, Tennessee who listen to country radio and they wholeheartedly have said to me, well, girls don't sing country music. I maybe heard Maren Morris, but she doesn't even really sound country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, in Nashville. Yeah. Little girls who are like, well, I don't get to use my iPad or whatever at night, so I have just, like, the radio, mm-hmm. and I only get the pop country station, but they never play girls. Well, even, like, talking about having your... Even if they had their iPad, there was... I was just looking it up who said this and it was Martina McBride said that she decided to make a playlist on Spotify that was country music and that so many of the recommendations were male artists Mm -hmm. and that's such a disappointment. And and I mentioned on another episode, I think too, of like if you start on YouTube or Google play with the male artists, like almost always exclusively stays male. Like if you do like autoplay or Mm -hmm. whatever and there's no mixing. If you start with Shania or Martina McBride or something that stays all female, it's like, it's it's not the gender I like about these songs. Like who is singing it? Like it's so odd to me that um, the algorithms work that way. It's like, that's not what I care about here. Like, 
The way that I try and whenever people try and like make excuses or be like a little more understanding or like, well, maybe it's this. I've also heard the like, well, maybe just like the women making music today aren't as good. Like I've heard that one as well. Maybe if they were better, they would be selling Again, listen to the fucking Casey Musgraves and (laughs) High Women album and tell me that there's not good. And your stuff. Tell me that there's not good women playing. I mean, I can list list a ton of, of women who are making records and just not getting the support and push and it's these tiny little ways like not getting suggested on Spotify not getting placement on the playlist not getting on the radio but all I'm like imagine a world where where predominantly all we're hearing is women can you imagine that it would be perfect (laughs) but most people would be like that that'd be weird how I'm like can you imagine a world I don't think where all of the radio (laughs) yeah but we're like the the dominant you know charts everything festivals were all women people would be like wait but these are like chick fests or everything's like labeled right I'm like okay so that's the world that we live in the flipped where you think it's normal and people think it's normal because this is just the way it is that like white man is status quo and everybody else is like a sub category that just gets sprinkled in but anyways this is a very long rant sorry we took a hard turn from talking about your own music let's take a step off of our soapbox for now um so since we are all obviously here very passionate about seeing uh seeing seeing lady singers um where can we see you coming up (laughs) a lady singer So this this will come out after I've been on the East Coast. I'm going to be on the West Coast for a few days solo, playing with Joe Pug. And then, so November, December, when the after this comes out, I will be, I believe, back on the East Coast mm-hmm. and maybe the Midwest a little bit, but mostly the Northeast. And then come the start of 2020, I will be, I think, back in Europe. And then probably again through in like the... Winter and spring, we'll probably have some tours, West Coast, Midwest, and throughout. I mean, for, we'll be everywhere. <laughs> yeah. At some point. <laughs> My website will have all of the details. Yes, we'll, we'll post the link to the You guys have the internet, you obviously. Guys can Google it. Well, very good. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for yeah. having me. And thanks for listening, guys, and especially the rant about women lady singers. <laughs> We'll um, know if you turn off at that point. Yeah. We'll track you down. Sexy bastards. We can see it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye, Mom. <laughs>